You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. So we have been exploring the Belt of Truth series and a couple of weeks ago I was due to come and talk about the truth about church and John very kindly stepped in for me because I still wasn't well and um, how he managed a 36 minute message I think it was on three words. I mean, that is talent, right? Three words, and he he drew it out for 36 minutes. That was pretty amazing. It was 1 Peter 1, and he talked about the church being elect, being exiles, and being scattered. And uh, in that message, he talked about how there's actually a lot of truths about the church, and um, I hope to bring some of that again today. Um, And actually, the New Testament offers us lots of insights into how the church should see itself and um, what it should be doing and the purpose of it uh, while we wait for Jesus to come back. And there's lots of analogies that we can look at. And actually yesterday at the conference, um, Steve Upple, who is the leader at All Nations Church in Wolverhampton with his wife Esther, he talked about one of those analogies of, of being an army. And he talked about us being warriors. And I quite liked that because it actually fit in with us thinking about the belt of truth. And of course, that comes from putting on the full armor of God because we are in a battle against things that we can't see. Um, Perhaps it just feels like we're in a battle day to day against ourselves and our own thought patterns and all of that. You may relate to that, but we are an army. And there's other other analogies too. So uh, the church being the bride and Jesus being the groom. A beautiful analogy there. Um, actually about being family and being a community. And William brought that in the pre-service prayer meeting this morning. Thank you, Lord, for family. Thank you that you've placed us in a church family and how amazing that is. And I think at BCC, we, quite, we talk about that quite a lot, that essence of the church being a family. But today, I want to talk about the church being a body. And there's a couple of familiar passages that are actually talked about. I'm going to grab the clicker if that's all right. That are actually talked about um, by Paul particularly, um, which elaborate on this idea of the church being a body, with which you will probably be very familiar. And I like it because when Paul talks in this way, he really differentiates um, from being a member of any other group. And John just talked about there in the sense of our offering, that if you're not a member of this church, then don't feel like you have to give. Um, But actually, being a member of a church is quite different from being a member of a library. I'm a member of a library. Um, Or being a member of a sporting club, and some of you will have in the past or may still be a member of a sporting club or something like that. And you would say, actually, they do have a great relationship and a great bond and there's teamwork and all that kind of stuff. But there has got to be something different about us and being part of the body in terms of the church. And so we're going to explore some of that today. Okay, so let's start with one of the most famous passages, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 12 to 27. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, 
Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honourable we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. That's true for you today. Whoever I'm talking to, each one of you, you are part of the body of Christ. And each one of you is an important part. And that's the first part I really wanted to stress today, that you are unique, that you are here for a purpose, and God has placed you in the body. I think that's amazing. We're not just drifting through life. We're not just part of a church. Actually, there is purpose in that, and it's heavenly purpose. And that's pretty, I think that's something special to grab a hold on to. And we are part of an amazing body that's actually a worldwide body. You know, everywhere, every corner of the earth, there are people that know and love Jesus and are part of our body. However, on a local level, I think that church is the local hands and feet of Jesus. You hear that story that Karen told, and that is amazing. That is Jesus' hands and feet in action in, through what Karen has done, just being obedient, asking the Holy Spirit to lead her and give her an opportunity to speak. That's amazing. And like any body, so your physical body, it, I think it's a good idea to know the things that keep your body healthy. So if, you, if I asked you what are the things that keep your physical body healthy, it's things like drinking enough water, eating the right kinds of food, or just eating food, full stop, um, sleep, exercise, staying active. Um, so there's lots of things that keep a physical body healthy. And my reasoning is, if we are part of a body, this body, then it's a good idea that we know about the characteristics that keep the body healthy. And I want to say right at the start, I'm actually not preaching this because I think that our body is unhealthy. Okay, so don't start thinking into reading into it that I'm sort of saying, oh, we need to start doing these things. I, I hope and I believe that we are a healthy body. Um, but it's always good to know. If you don't know, how can you keep it healthy? How can you work at these things? I don't think they just happen by accident. So we're going to have a bit of an MOT today because you always send your M car into an MOT hoping that it's healthy and that it doesn't need anything, okay? That's what we're, we're going to embark on today, okay? And to help us do that... 
So just before I do that, I've got to get the picture up, you know. The health check. This is the health check, okay? Very official-looking doctor there. We are going to look at another passage uh, by Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. And can I just say as well, this is, these are not the be-all and end-all characteristics of a healthy body. I'm sure there's others, but for the sake of time, I've picked out five today. So Ephesians 4, uh, Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then we skip from verse 6 to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect, sorry, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For him, the whole, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work." So, two quite lengthy passages of scripture there, um, but one of our commitments as a leadership team is that we will, we will preach the, the word of God um, as well as bringing you know, our own thoughts on it, so I, I'm not apologizing for that. Um, and from this passage, there are five things that I think can, can start on our health check of the body, and those are being patient, keeping the unity works of service, becoming mature, and building itself up in love. So let's start with an easy one, patience. Right, easy? <sighs> yeah? <laughs> I tell you what, I think roadworks are a test of patience sent from God. Anybody who needs to travel in Torbay, could you agree with me, please? <laughs> yes, lots of nods there. And I had never experienced roadworks till I moved to the UK. It's just on another level over here. It really is. Okay, so that is testing my patience at the moment. However, I don't really think that it's that kind of patience that this passage is talking about. It's not really patience in terms of external circumstances because that's kind of just human, uh, human patience really, I think. Um, it's not, I, I'm quite good at waiting for appointments. I'm pretty good at when people are late. It doesn't really bother me. I, I quite like to get to the airport at least an hour before like the three hours that you're meant to get there. So, you know, four hours hanging around the airport. I'm all right with that. But it's not that patience that we're talking about, I don't think, or that Paul's talking about here. Because it says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. 
We're bearing with each other. So it's something relational going on here. It's about patience in terms of our relationships with each other. And I kind of thought, well, what does that actually look like? How do you know if you're being good at being patient? Because surely there's an end point to that. Surely there's a point where, okay, I've been patient enough, God. Come on. Now it's time for that person to just get their butt into gear. I don't know. So what I did is I had a look at what the Greek word was that's used here. And I'm going to pronounce it in the way that the American man on Google told me to pronounce it. <laughs> so it's probably not going to sound right. But it's something like macrothumia. Okay? Something like that. I'm not looking at David. Okay. So it's, uh, it's that word. And I wanted to look at other examples of where that word was used. Because that gives us a sense of what kind of patience is really being asked of us here. So let's start again with an easy one. The first one is about God's patience. Brilliant. Okay, Romans chapter 9, verse 22 says, What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? And this whole passage, Paul's talking about God's sovereignty. He is the creator. He's the potter. We are the clay. Who are we to say anything to him? And he, over time, has taken time to watch his creation absolutely turn their back on him, to do horrendous things to each other and to themselves, and yet it's not been another Noah's Ark scenario. In fact, he actually did the opposite and thought, oh, okay, they are worth saving. I'm going to send, the, you know, that's my plan. I'm, I'm, I'm going to save them or at least give them the opportunity to be saved. And, and throughout time, imagine this, the creator just having to watch and stand back as continually people decided that they didn't need him. That is patience. When actually in his, in his own right, he could have totally destroyed us at any point and he didn't and he hasn't. That's the kind of patience that's being asked of us, or at least being referred to here. The second example sort of builds on this. It's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, and it says, But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So we've got God's patience and then we've got Jesus' patience. And these are the same, same this is the same word here. And this is Paul saying, you know, I was a persecutor of Christians. I happily put people in jail who believed in Jesus. And I took joy in seeing that happen. And yet Jesus had immense patience with me to transform my life and get me back on to the road that he'd set for me in the first place. That's that kind of patience. So we could probably say here, that's unobtainable. God's perfect, Jesus is perfect, we can, we can do our best to get to that, but we're never going to get there. Until we come to James 5, verse 10, which says, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We actually have a human example here of the patience that's expected of us in the body. 
And the prophets in general were a pretty a group of people who had a pretty rough time, most of them. They were giving messages that people didn't want to hear. They were disliked, often lonely, um, persecuted. Some of them were martyred. So that's the kind of patience that we are meant to have with each other. It's a really hard message to hear, I think, when, you know, when I'm looking at my own patience that I have. Because patience is easy when you're a party of one. Yeah? When I'm on my own road, making my own decisions, setting my own agenda, kind of keeping everybody a little bit at hand's length, arm's length, um, patience is easy to have. But that's not what God has called us to be like. He's called us to be part of a body. And that's where patients get tested, <laughs> when other people are involved. Am I right? <laughs> I'm a very patient person when I don't come here and meet with all of you. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay? <laughs> so patience, it's something for us to work at and to consider. The second one, unity. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. When I read this, one thought came into my head, and I bet it's the same thought as you. Homeostasis. Homeostasis? Anybody familiar with that term? It's a human biology term, which you probably learnt in school. Let me read to you about homeostasis. The human body is made up of trillions of cells that all work together for the maintenance of the entire organism. While cells, tissues and organs may perform very different functions, all the cells in the body are similar in their metabolic needs. Maintaining a constant internal environment by providing the cells with what they need to survive is necessary for the well-being of individual cells and of the entire body. Homeostasis refers to the maintenance of balance within the body. Keeping a stable internal environment requires constant adjustments as conditions change inside and outside the cell. Because the internal and external environments of a cell are constantly changing, adjustments must be made continually to maintain balance. Homeostasis can be thought of as a dynamic equilibrium rather than a constant, unchanging state. And there are so many things that I love about this that I think we can apply to our body, uh, our body, this, this body here. So the first is that cells, tissues and organs perform very different functions, but they are similar in their needs. And I think that's right. We do. We've already talked about that each part has a part to play, but it will be different from the part of the person sitting next to you. However, in our needs, we are the same. Physically, we all need air, we all need water, we all need shelter. And then in an emotional sense or a relational sense, we all need love. We all want that genuine concern of somebody who's looking out for us. And we all want a sense of belonging. And probably that differs from you know, in terms of how much you want to belong. And then in a spiritual sense, we all need a touch of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to be working within us. So I love that. I love the fact that that was going to, you know, representative of all of us as a part of a body. And then it says, constant internal environment, the maintenance of that is necessary not just for the well-being of individuals, but for the whole body. The maintenance of unity is so important for individuals and for all of us as a body. 
Otherwise, how on earth could we achieve what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, that if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. When we lose unity, I just don't think that that's possible. Then it says that the internal and external environments are constantly changing. And that is life, I think. Life is constantly changing. People get sick and it shocks us or it shocks them. Uh, People seem to be on the same page one day, singing from the same hymn sheet, and then there's a misunderstanding and that goes out a bit and it's like, oh, what happened there? You know, people leave church and new people come in. And constantly, we are having to strive at maintaining that unity. And that's not even the external circumstances like Brexit and all that kind of stuff. And can I just say, when I say unity, I don't mean that we all have the same political views. I don't mean that we all think exactly the same theologically on every little point. That's not what I'm saying. Because it says about unity of the spirit. That's what we need to strive for. Okay, and the last part about unity is it says that the trillions of cells all work together and you have to make every effort to do this and it's everybody's part to play. It's not just mine or John's or Paul's. Everybody has a part to play in the maintenance of unity. And what does that look like? Maybe just stopping yourself from talking negatively about somebody or actually challenging somebody else who talks negatively about somebody. I don't know. It might look like a million things. You decide and let the Holy Spirit talk to you about what that might be. Okay, moving on. Service. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. Now, I'm not going to touch too much on verse 11 because I think you could do a whole series on leadership responsibilities in equipping the church. But let's assume that when the body is equipped, you're receiving teaching, you're, you're teaching yourself because you're getting in the word, you're praying, you're having opportunities to meet together. That's not just all for a Sunday. I think we know that, don't we? It is actually, first of all, it says to serve each other so that the body of Christ may be built up. We are to serve each other, but also to serve the community outside. And again, Karen's example is just wonderful, um, you know, came at the right time and it just really does wonderfully show that in action. Okay? So that's service. And I think we're pretty good at that, I reckon. Maturity. I laugh at the fact that I'm talking about maturity. <laughs> I don't know. Um, in some respects, this talks about um, becoming mature and attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I wonder if we actually won't, in, in that respect, meet that fullness until we're in heaven. Because that's where the fullness comes, doesn't it? In every respect, when we, when we get to heaven. And we won't be in every respect the mature body of him who is the head until we are with that head face to face. That's my thoughts on that. But there is an expectation that while we're here, we will grow. And that's not numerical growth. It talks about growth in terms of the knowledge of Jesus. And there's a great passage in 2 Peter that says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge 
and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance. And it goes on and it goes on. It says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a clear expectation there, I think, that these things should be added to, that we have to make an effort to add to these things because we don't want to be ineffective and unproductive. Individually, I don't think we want that. And as a body, we don't want that. We want to be effective and productive. That's maturity. The last one, all you need is love. Da, 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 da. Yep. <laughs> I didn't plan to do that. You didn't really give me that great response. All you need is love. Um, Love is what ties all of this together. And I think, I'm just going to say, I think we're brilliant at loving each other here. I do. It says then, like I'd said, when one part suffers, every part suffered, suffers with it. If one part's honoured, every part rejoices with it. And I see that when somebody's not here, somebody gives them a phone call or somebody brings a... a a thing on the prayer chain and so I see that love in action and that is so important to do that to continue to love each other genuinely love each other I mean and I do I think we do that really well but really just to finish off I want to say this that we might have all of those things really really embedded and actually even when you look at those though that's not what really makes the difference from us in a sporting club because any club would say that they need to be patient with each other, that there needs to be unity, that they need to serve each other, that they need to be mature and loving. So what is it that sets apart this body? And I think it's that it's not just physical. Right at the start, it said about keeping the unity in the spirit. So this is not a physical body. And Actually, we don't, we, while we want to provide people with company and we want to have good coffee and we want to have people who know will check in on us and have all those warm, fuzzy experiences with each other, if that's it, then ugh, go join another club. It can't just be that. It can't be just those things. It is spiritual. That's what ties us together, the Holy Spirit. And... And so I just pray that us as a body would continue to focus on that spirit side of things, the spiritual gifts. Um, because actually before this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 is a whole passage about spiritual gifts and when we're together, how the spirit moves and, and how that one gift is um, given to this person and that this gift is given to this person in terms of spiritual gifts, but they are all for the common good. And so could I just have everybody close their eyes now? And I just want us to pray for these things. But above all, I just want us to pray for that, that essence of the Holy Spirit amongst us when we meet together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that there is such purpose in your body. That you are the head and we all have been placed in that body as, um, as purposeful and exactly where God wants us to be. Thank you for your global body, that there is a, a national and international movement that says that Jesus is Lord. Thank you for that, that that is reaching into the far corners of the earth, Lord. But Lord, I just pray for us as a local body, as BCC. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here and is represented um, 
in our membership and our counts themselves as being part of Brixham Community Church. Thank you that there's purpose in all of those people being part of BCC. And Lord, I, I want to pray for these five aspects of our health as a body. But I especially want to pray, Lord, for that Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit unity that knits us all together. Lord, I know that you desire for your Holy Spirit to be present amongst us when we meet, and it is because your Spirit lives within us. But I personally, Lord, want to desire more of that spiritual, those spiritual gifts, that spiritual encounter with you when we meet together. And if there's anyone here who, who doesn't feel yet that they have received the Holy Spirit, then Lord, I just pray that they would open up to you now and, and ask you, because you don't hold it back. You don't hold your spirit back. You pour it into those who ask for it, Lord. May we strengthen and use and exercise our spiritual gifts when we're together, Lord. And may we be spirit-led when we're out in the world as well. Thank you, Lord, that we have such a powerful, amazing spirit within us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.